Welcome to the George Lynch Hunting Podcast brought to you by Legendary Gear, the game call company that is legend by design. Those of you that followed me uh, throughout the years know that my claim to fame has always been in the waterfowl industry. Building two different waterfowl companies, uh, Lynch Mob Calls and now Legendary Gear, I've uh, also had the passion for hunting whitetails with a bow, either recurve or compound. I love chasing turkeys in the spring uh, and hounding the devil dogs in the winter. Even got a chance to write a couple articles for Predator Nation. But if I were to have a younger brother, it would be our next guest. This guy's accolades is that he's completed the North American Super Slam with a recurve. All 29 big game species with a recurve. Um, he runs full draw outfitters with his family. TV shows called Everything Eichler, Easton Bowhunting, and Predator Nation. This my favorite quote that that he said is that he truly believes that any animal taken with a bow is a trophy. That says it all right there in a nutshell. But I want to proud to introduce guys and, and feel blessed. Our next guest, Fred Eichler. Fred, how are you? I'm I am blessed, my friend. I am blessed. I usually tell people I'm doing so good I give five dollars for a headache. There you go. <laughs> I love it. That's what I say. I said, every day is a great day. Some are just better than others. That's There you go, my friend. I appreciate you taking the time and busy schedule you had. Like, uh, why don't you tell our listeners this morning what you were doing before uh, getting to the podcast? Well, no problem. I started off this morning glassing some elk that are out, out in our alfalfa field. And then uh, my sister went out with me and we did some video uh, just giving some antelope tips uh, that uh, Cabela's wanted. So Cabela's Bass Pro will be rolling that for people that are getting ready for antelope season and wanted some tips. And uh, not that I have any good ones, but I've been guiding antelope hunters for a little over 30 years now. So we've taken quite a few of them. So uh, they had me go out there and do it. And that was that was pretty fun. Except my sister got little nervous we have some buffalo out in the pasture and the buffalo came up pretty close to her and she was ready to hop in the vehicle <laughs> <laughs> now are those uh, wild buffalo or buffalo on, on your on your place that you raise or yeah they're they're uh well they're they're pretty wild but they uh yeah they're on our pasture and uh we put electric fence keep them in there but uh it's pretty neat we got a couple uh couple of buffalo calves and uh they're just they're really cool animals to look at this is you know where they're indigenous to i mean they're from you know this area of the west and with matter of fact we find their bones on the ranch so it's kind of cool having them you know back out here after oh probably a little over 100 years since they were here so it's kind of neat to watch them and it's really neat to see them and the antelope together and you know it's just one of those fun things and you know every once in a while when somebody wants you know buffalo for meat or something we'll let somebody come out and and take one but it's uh it's neat. It's they're neat animals, and it's kind of fun to hang out with them. Yeah, they're one of my favorite eating. I got to shoot one with a with a bow years ago, and uh, we did our own process and everything. And you know, really to me, they didn't make any steaks because it's pretty coarse. But we grinded our own uh, burger from the the buffalo with its own fat, and then we made our own roast. And uh, it's it's my favorite game. Oh, I love it, man. We uh, we slow cooked a brisket, you know, got a lot of fat on the brisket, a big old brisket the other day. And, man, I'm telling you what, it was <laughs> – that's, that's making me hungry right now, there, actually. There, <laughs> there you go, my friend. Hey, uh, so when you started in, in hunting, and it was bow and, hunt, bow and arrow or hunting small game, I mean, was it your father? Can you – kind of back in the earlier days, it got you started. Yeah, sure. Yeah, my, my father – um, who's still my hero and actually still guides every year, which is pretty dang neat. Wow. Uh, he's, he was a green beret when he was younger and he still got that mental and still, he's still tougher than heck. He was six, three and a half, about 
probably 220, maybe pushing 230 now. You get a little bigger, but he uh, he's still. I don't know if I'd try and take him right now, George. To be honest with you, he's just, <laughs> he's just a tough rascal, and he's he's still guiding elk hunters. So he comes out here and and uh, he'll guide some deer hunters, and elk hunters, and I got some video of him two years ago that just cracked me up. He was 74, but he was he was literally crawling up this ridge. And, uh, I mean, just, you know, flat on his belly crawling up this ridge and he peeked over and he slid back and he said, all right, there's two mule deer bucks in the field. And, uh, the client I had was a little, little bigger fella. And he goes, I, I, I'm not going to crawl up there, but maybe I could, you know, kneel up there. <laughs> so I was laughing. So yeah, it's, uh, my dad got me into it. He was, uh, you know, a constant outdoorsman that thought not only should you know about the animals that you're pursuing, but you should know about everything else too. You should know you know, about the different bushes and the trees and, you know, is that a scarlet tanager or is it a shrike or, you know what I mean? Is a belted kingfisher, you know, what kind of birds are you seeing or, you know, what kind of other small animals are you seeing? So he, uh, he definitely instilled a passion, you know, in, in me for, for all things outdoors, whether it was fishing or, you know, or hunting or camping or any of that good stuff. And, and we very, still enjoy it together today. Yeah, that's very cool. And it's very cool that you're blessed that he's still there and, and with you and enjoying that and he's health, his health and everything. And, you know, it's, it's awesome that he passed on to you that, you know, today you see so much of the, uh, uh, there's a lot of taking, there's a lot of talk about the trophy and what we get, you know, what trophy, what we're after and, and stuff like that. But we forget that we're supposed to give back as well. And and uh, what a great testimony to that right there, and 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 definitely the military discipline, you know, that it carries out through the whole life, and that's the same thing when he, what we pass on to our children, we forget, or the others that we try to help and and, and nurture, you know, that 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 can go on to last a lifetime or generations passed on. So yes, sir. So so did uh, what was you into shooting a compounder the recurve first or was you like a little of us uh, shooting the old bear recurve first and then graduated to the compound and well, it's funny i started out with a with a small little recurve you know what i mean when i was super young you know like a lot of kids you know the little fiberglass bear recurve and that you know there's there's old pictures of my dad with deer and my little recurves just laying in the back of the yard <laughs> but uh you know and then and then i wanted to get a compound man i wanted a compound so uh my dad uh when i showed a big interest in my early teens on you know in bow hunting dad went and got a bow too but he wanted a recurve he's like i got no time for that mechanical stuff uh, you know, I want a recurve. So it's pretty funny, actually. He still shoots a recurve. My dad's never shot a compound. But, uh, you know, I wanted a compound. So I started out, you know, really as far as fishing hunting with a compound and, and loved it. And uh, Fred Bear was always my hero growing up. So it's funny. Even though Fred used a recurve, I was like, boy, I just don't think I'm that good. You know, why would you guys shoot a recurve if you could shoot a compound? So I, uh, I shot a compound until I started managing an archery shop in northern Colorado. And uh, Frank Scott who had worked for Fred Bear since he was very young, had given me uh, a recurve as a parting gift, uh, a, a custom Kodiak takedown. And uh, I brought it out to the archery shop in northern Colorado up before Collins that I managed. And uh, the owner was a hardcore traditional hunter in one heck of a shot. And between him and one of his real good friends, Mike Palmer, yeah. I, I, I started seeing like, wow, man, I really want to start shooting a recurve so i started shooting a recurve uh, i guess when i was 21 by the time i was 23 i was i was dang near converted you know so I, you know by, by 25 i was you know i was like man this is this is it for me i love this recurve so um you know that that's kind of when i just fell in love with it and and uh 
started really having more fun with a bow. You know, I, I was a competitive archer, you know, when I was younger and used to compete a bunch of just little, you know, local estate tournaments with a compound. And I got to where, man, if I wasn't hitting the right in the bullseye or right in the can, I just wasn't, you know, I, it, it, you know, I just, it was getting a little too, uh, mechanical for me and i needed the release aid and i needed the level and i needed the rangefinder to know exactly the yardage and and so when i picked up a recurve it was because i watched mike and jim have so much fun with it like you know hey let's let's shoot at that pine cone and they'd fling an arrow and <laughs> you know you know it, it was just like man that looks like fun i, I gotta try you know I, i'm i'm all about fun so i picked it up and just loved it just went crazy with it i'll tell you what people um would i think they're missing a lot and it's the love of the flying the flight of the arrow being part of the arrow but having a couple judah points and a couple arrows and walking in the woods with your buddy and stump shooting and i mean roger rothar was the man that got me into the recur and i was so blessed that he took me under his wing as a young man and kind of he, he tutored me and and i learned i felt that i learned the right way and and uh, i used I, I spent a lot of time walking with him and uh doing the stump shooting and stuff like that. And I could whip his tail at, at anything 20 yards and in, but man, he'd do those 60 yard shots. And he would just, I, I think I had three or four skips before it got there. <laughs> That's funny. I love it. But uh, he was, you know, it, it, the, I guess it's that flight of the arrow and being part of the arrow and, and being in the woods is just a, a bow and an arrow. I mean, it's more simpler than that. And, and, you know, feeling the, the, the strength and feeling the strength of the limbs as you pull back. I saw you one, it had been, gosh, I, I can't remember how many years ago, but I was at the Compton show there in Michigan. I used to go to that, and uh, I was with some friends there, and we camped out, a couple older friends, and they both were huge uh, bear collectors and, and shot bears the whole life. And, and I can't remember the gentleman's name. He's passed away, but he had his bear collection there in the uh, cafeteria, whatever the schoolroom they had, that was just truly amazing of all the bear collection. But you and Michelle were shooting just ahead of us, and man, I just wanted to wish I could have just jumped in that that group there and, and shot with Fred Eichler and seen <laughs> see how I could match up. But it, it, I remember seeing you at that show. It said hi to you, and you're super man. That's a, that's another thing too. You know, you're what you see on TV. That's the same guy you see out in person. I mean, you were not stuck up. You were very nice. And, of course, you're busy and everything. But, you know, you always got that big smile. It says a lot about your personality. <laughs> well, I appreciate that, man. I have a good time. And there's so many great people in the, you know, in the hunting and outdoor industry. Uh, you know, I'm a little biased probably, but I just think there's uh, there's more friendly people and, and, and people that are more like-minded. And, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's a, it's a lot of fun. And you, you probably would have whooped me, man. I'm. I'm I'm okay at 20 yards, but at five yards, I'm pretty good. That's what I tell people. So that's why I got to get real close. Yeah, I like that. Oh, Barry Wenzel had a had a, a great quote. I love what Barry would always say. He says he's pure murder at five yards. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what I tell people on duck hunt too. I'm like, man, I'm 50 percent on a swimming duck. <laughs> you know what? You, you brought up duck hunting. That is one thing you brought. One thing I did not know about Fred Eichler, and he is is a big waterfowl hunter. And could you just kind of talk about a little bit? I know I'm jumping here and skipping, but we got on dog and ducks, but I'd like you to talk a little bit about your spot there and uh, your duck hunting at what you have right there at home. Oh, I love it, man. And don't, don't feel bad, man. I'm, I, I get off on tangents and I'm, I'm all over the place. So this is uh, this my is brother. a perfect flow for me. So, <laughs> Definitely but, uh, my brother. 
<laughs> my dad got me into duck hunting, you know, when I was real little. So I used to love to, matter of fact, my dad carved a lot of his own decoys. So, you know, I've still wow. got one of them actually that sits, you know, sits in my room here. But, uh, you know, so I grew up duck hunting, you know, going out when he, when I was little and man, just watching them come in, especially with a dad that, you know, made some of his own decoys and hand painted them and, you know, would balance the weight and all that good stuff. So, you know, as a matter of fact, my dad, I remember one of the first jerk cords I ever saw was my dad. And I mean, we're talking, good gosh, I had to be eight or 10. So, you know, that's why 40, oh gosh, 45 years ago. <laughs> so a long time ago now, seems like yesterday, but you know, he would tie a string and you know, to hook it to some of the decoys and pull it so the decoys were moving in the water. And I'm like, wow, that's a pretty cool idea. But I, I, uh, I am, I'm an avid waterfowl, love it. As a matter of fact, I took the boys this January for a hunt. I'd always wanted to go on. We went out and uh, harvested king eiders. Um, it was a big trip, but I really wanted to get a king eider. But um, we've been in Alaska after a lot of the sea ducks. But what's unique here, um, and the boys and I love to do, is we've got few miles of river bottom that we hunt and then also a reservoir that we hunt and it is a it, it's such a unique place because we're next to a couple of flyways but we get everything i mean we've shot green wing blue wing cinnamon teal wood ducks shovelers mallards hooded mergansers ruddy ducks gadwall scop widgeon ringneck um golden eye uh literally i'm, I'm just uh uh Let's see here. We're on pintail. I'm just running through canvas back, redhead, um, you know, just a, a myriad of species just right here in Colorado. These are and ducks, you're, just, and these are ducks you're looking at mounted on a wall, right? Yes, sir. There, we, we, <laughs> uh, we, 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 one of our goals, and every year, you know, we would, it's like, okay, we got to get a pair. We got to get a pair. So oh, we cool. would, uh, you know, and, and some of them are ones that Jeb's taken or Seth's taken or Trent's taken or Michelle's taken or I've taken. But we decided to just get everything, you know, uh, uh, as many different species as we could. And it would be really cool. So it's a pretty neat wall that's uh, it's, it's got some cool stuff. You know, it's neat to look at. Well, can I get an honest answer from you? Who's the better shotgun shot? Oh, it would probably be Jeb, Seth or Trent. <laughs> the three boys man they they're just good man I, I i grew up shooting with them and you know and, and teaching them to shoot but they've you know trent's a competitive shooter now so he actually is a sponsored wow. handgun shooter but jeb and seth when we get you know we'll shoot trap or we'll play break a chip is one of our favorite games and uh man it's usually one of the boys that's a toss-up it's usually one of the boys that edges me out I, i'll get them once in a while but it's pretty rare they're uh Man, I, I wish I could tell you I whooped them all and I'm the best. But <laughs> well, it's that hard. Would be a, that'd be a fib. It's hard to beat the young eyes. I'm telling you, that, uh, when the yeah. eyes go. You know, my wife, that's one thing with me. It's uh, Earlier, I was uh, I was dealing with cataracts last year, which was a younger age, but my eyesight's always been perfect. Well, I couldn't shoot the recurve very well. With the, I mean, my eyes would just go foggy and blear, and, and I was seeing, we'd go out turkey hunting in the morning, and I'd say, you see that lightning? And she goes, well, I was seeing white flashing going off in the dark. It was just weird stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, I was goose hunting last year in the bitter cold 
cold and the only one around here is is doing it fighting it and i'd go out there and then we're trying to do podcasts i'm trying to do my own little filming and i'm explaining but the whole thing to me was being able to call them in and you know, i'm out here late season by myself setting up you know and i'm calling these birds in but they were coming in fred i always used to pride myself on my shooting and i was shooting terrible i mean they would come in and i was frustrated i i thought i was doing better than maybe if i just closed both eyes and point you know <laughs> and sound shoot and i'll never get the last day i was telling my wife well i gotta get out there they're gonna be flying she goes why are you going out if you're missing and i looked at her and said that's not the reason i'm there i just can't i get all freaking wound up and when i start hooking them and they're on they're coming in you're hitting that murmur and they're talking back and it's the sound of those wings when they're in that hole there's nothing better yeah it really i agree i couldn't agree more i it's it's addicting let's uh i want to talk about what was the dream the spark that got you going thinking about completing the super slam chuck adams um so it was really fred bear and chuck adams i should say because i I grew up reading Fred Bear's field notes. Uh, you know, Fred Bear was and still is an inspiration in a lot of ways because he had one. He was a really good guy, and I was fortunate to meet him many times. And he always had the time to stop, say hello, talk to you, look you in the eye, and make you feel like he was really engaged. Whether he was or not, he had a way of making you feel like he was so engaged and interested in what you were saying. And it, to me, I, I loved it. He made you feel special. So, you know, Fred Bear was, was just a, you know, he was a good person that way. It made people feel good around him. And he had such an incredible way of telling a story. You know, uh, Fred Bear's field notes, I mean, that's one of the reasons I became a voracious reader because in school I was like, eh, I don't like reading. But, you know, I got a hold of Fred Bear's field notes. So I'm like, ooh, I love reading. Yeah. <laughs> so it was, you know, Reading that stuff made me yearn for the adventure. And Fred talked so much about, you know, not only the animals, but of the people and the places that he went to. And that was fascinating to me. I thought he did a great job describing it. So uh, early on, I thought, wouldn't it be amazing to try and take the animals that Fred Bear took? So to me, you know, it was like elk and antelope and, you know, you know, stone sheep and, you know, grizzly bear, black bear, some of the animals that Fred Bear took. So I knew I would never take an elephant or a Bengal tiger or some of the other things, but I thought, man, wouldn't it be neat to experience some of the things Fred did and harvest, you know, these animals for the research. And then I was actually managing an archery shop in the eighties when, um, Chuck Adams completed the super slam and nobody even heard of it. You know, it was like, you know, the super slam. And I was like, wow, that's unreal. That's gotta be like the Mount Everest, the pony to me. Like I can't imagine harvesting everything. And, you know, I was, you know, uh, you talk about pie in the sky. I think I was making $19,000 a year, um, you know, working at an archery shop. And, you know, I would sell furs in the winter. I'd trap coyotes and bobcats and pine martens. But uh, so that was about, you know, uh, as far away as, as reaching the moon to me. But I thought, man, if I could just take one animal a year or something or go out on one different one a year, that would be really neat. So that's a long-winded answer to your story, but it, it, it's uh, or your question but it would be probably Fred Bear and then Chuck Adams is what kind of sparked the desire to see if I had enough in me mentally and physically to, to try and take all 29. If, uh, can you just, I know you can't go through every hunt, but could you give like your top three memorable hunts that really were, uh, you know, set the, the, the whether it was a, a 
you know, I know about the brown bear chasing you guys or a charge in, in the river that was very popular. I think it made the outdoor um, TV network is like top video of the year or something. Um, yeah, we won the Golden Moose Award on that one yesterday. But uh, if you could go through like top, your top three hunts that you and, and why. Man, good question. And like you said, it would be so hard to, to, to break that down. But the, the most difficult, I, I enjoy the difficult hunts. I'm one of those weirdos that if it's too easy, it's too easy. I, you know, I like ones where either I almost die or the plane crashes or the boat flips or, you know, I've lost 20 pounds because I'm chasing a doll sheep for 12 days and I'm sleeping, you know, sleeping on the ground with no tent um, just because I'm up in the mountain and spot a sheep and I want to stay on him and don't even want to hike off the mountain to go back to the camp. So, yeah, some of my favorites really are, are, are the ones like that, you know, where I've been scared or pushed myself. And I'm not a real smart guy, so it's really easy for me to push myself mentally. Um, but, uh, you know, physically, just those, those, those hunts that really take a lot out of you are really some of my favorites. So I would say, uh, you know, all the sheep hunts uh, were physically taxing, uh, mentally taxing as well. And then some of the some of the other ones where it was just grueling, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, because of weather conditions or because the animal was so difficult. Um, so there was there was so many things about them that I really enjoyed. So it'd be really tough to go, man. This is my this is my top three because they were all favorite at the time. You know absolutely. what I mean, George? Oh, like absolutely. That's a hundred percent. When you're duck hunting, it's probably your favorite thing to do, and when you're deer hunting, it's your favorite thing to do because that's when you're doing it right then. So every one of those hunts was my favorite. But some were more exciting than others or more challenging than others. And I would say I opt for the, you know, the elk on public land where you hike in miles and miles and have to carry it out on your back or mule deer on public land or, you know, sick of blacktail when you're, you know, up in the mountain and dodging brown bears. So, it's, you know, some of those are all, all my favorites. Of course, the grizzly bear that stood up in front of me was amazing. That was uh, amazing. Just the adrenaline rush. You shot him twice, didn't you? Right? Both times you get up. That was so awesome. Right in the chest. Yeah, that was, you're talking about a pucker factor. Yeah. You, <laughs> you could have cool, got a grease BB in my ass with a hammer. I promise you, George. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the, the, the camera guy, it was so cool because of being the, the footage of you. You could watch you pull back and watch your arm, the follow through and the arrow right there between the chest. I mean, it was a quick, you pulled back and you could see your natural instinct. And it's so funny because you're ready to go and chase. And the guy was freaking, he was scared. You could tell the guy, was like, oh, oh, just wait, let's wait. And then it rose up again and you put another, that was, that was freaking awesome. You know, that was a great, and the footage, I mean, the cameraman did a phenomenal job, but can you just give a quick story about the bear in the river? Um, did you say tell you the quick story about the bear in the river? Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, I've had some amazing cameramen, and, and that was, uh, Mike did a, an amazing job, and he was a great cameraman, and, and you know, took took his time and, and, and was cool, cool as a cucumber under some pretty scary situations, but, uh, you know, I've also had Jake and Bly and, bunch of different people video for me that did awesome but the brown bear that charged in the river was unreal we uh we literally were just floating down the river going to where we were gonna hunt and we were super remote we'd had a bush plane drop us off and uh it was we didn't have you know i didn't have a firearm i just had my recurve and it was taken down um you know i mean it was in the boat so we went around this curve in the river and i looked up and i was like wow there's a well, there's a brown bear. And my guide said, yep, and it's got some cubs with it. And the river 
because of the way it was going, first thing you do when you see something like that is everybody stopped paddling. Well, the river took the boat and drifted us, unfortunately, closer to the bears. No, oh my goodness. Well, the sow did exactly what she should have done. She tried to avoid the situation. She ran in the brush. But her cubs stayed right on the edge of the river, and they freaked out. You know, and my only guess is they probably never see their mother, probably never seen her run from anything. And two, they had never seen a boat. So they were just like, whoa, you know, this is kind of bizarre. And as we got closer to the cubs, all of a sudden we heard this loud, it almost sounded like a locomotive, like a like a train in the bushes, like hoof, 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 hoof. And all of a sudden here she came. Uh, it's pretty incredible video. People can look up, you know, Fred Eichler charged by bear and see it. But she came across the river it, it, like a flash. And uh, my guide barely, if you watch the video, it was all he could do to get the gun out and fire in front of her before she was on us. And fortunately, um, you know, the shot right in front of her in the water turned the charge. Um, but the bear wasn't really, I think the, the craziest thing to me, she wasn't really that intimidating. He's like, it turned her from the charge at about six to eight feet. But when she turned, she still turned halfway around to look at us and make sure we weren't getting closer to the cubs. And fortunately, the river carried us downstream. And, you know, it was a little bit of a pucker factor on that one, too. Wow. You literally, did you know, though, at that time that that footage was going to win you the Moose Award? <laughs> I, I didn't even know he got the footage. Like, it happened so fast. And he said, Fred, as soon as you said there's a brown bear, I lifted up the camera and started videoing. And he said, and it was over before I, like, it, it happened so fast. He didn't have time to, to drop the camera or get that, you know, like, it was just so fast. And, and so that was incredible. You know, we have been fortunate to get leopard charges and brown bear charges and, you know, that huge grizzly that stood up in front of me. And, you know, we, we've, I've been very fortunate. Tons of bow hunters have amazing stories. Even if it's a anything, you know, it could be a feral hog or a white-tailed deer or a squirrel in the tree. And I've just been fortunate to where a lot of mine were, were, were videoed. And I happened to have a camera guy with me. And, you know, we, we were able to catch some really cool stuff on film. Yeah, that was awesome. I like you know I talk let's talk about that quote I, uh, my favorite quote of yours is that any animal taken with a bow is a trophy and that's pretty much your your mindset in in, in a world that you're an outfitter and probably with clients you know everybody's after you know it's measured by inches um not by really the experience or the weight or the table fare it's more on on the inches and stuff and we're living a lot of uh, you know magazines to TV to shows and uh, constantly, you know, people having their own farms and growing their own, uh, you know, using expensive farm equipment just for growing antlers. And, and, you know, which the average guy has a hard time. He can't relate to that. And I think that's what, uh, you know, people love about Fred Eichler so much that, man, you're pumping fist and excited if it was a four point than a 150 inch buck. I mean, I'm, we're, I'm sure the 150 inch buck excites you, but you show and, and the, you know, and you show what you do with the table fair. And, and uh, that's pretty much been your character your whole life. I'd say probably from your dad. Yes, sir. It, it, from my dad. And also because, you know, I, I grew up hunting hard pressured public land. So if you shot a doe or you shot a small buck, man, you had done something, you know, you really had some of the best hunters I know live in Pennsylvania or New York. And especially back in the day, those guys would never shoot a big buck. I mean, now they do, but you know, 
they were hunting a hard pressured two and a half year old three by three. And, and they were some of the, literally I've met some guys that were just amazing hunters, but they weren't shooting these monster deer. So I grew up appreciating everything, whether it was the smallest doe or the smallest buck. And I guess you never shake that. You know, I, I, you know, my dad taught me to respect everything. And if you're going to take its life, you know, to, to utilize it and respect it and thank it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I still do that. I, you know, I, I'm still appreciative of everything. And, uh, you know, as I've gotten older, too, I don't like some of the trend in the industry, to be honest with you. I, I don't have a problem with a guy that wants to go out and shoot the biggest deer or the biggest elk or the biggest deer. That's, that's fine. More power to you. If that's what you enjoy, do it. But I think we have to be very careful as hunters. If the people that are on the fence that don't hunt or even the anti-hunters, if they feel, and so many people do, sadly, because there's so much emphasis put on the size of the horns or the size of the rack, um, that that's what we're doing it for, then it's going to be really easy to stop. And, and, you know, the truth is, most of the hunters I know and, and, and grew up with, and even guys that are trophy hunters, a lot of them really appreciate the meat and feeding their family and the experience of being outdoors. But if we don't put that emphasis more on the experience and the meat and whether it's family or good friends or camaraderie, then it's a very tough, it's a very tough thing to to get across to people. So um, I think it was in Nebraska, a buddy of mine's on the, on the board of wildlife, I guess division wildlife there. And they did a survey that I thought was really interesting. And for the people that were on the fence, they were okay with hunting if they thought it was for the meat they were strongly against it if they thought animals were being harvested just for the rack or the trophy. And so to me, our emphasis really needs to be on, you know, on the experience and the meat. So that's just, you know, that's not to get on a soapbox there, but it, it concerns me sometimes when, you know, the only articles you see are, you know, always on the cover of a magazine. It's, you know, the, the biggest elk or the biggest deer. And like you said, most people will never see those. And, you know, as it gets tougher and tougher um, to hunt public land or, you know, or not public land, but private land, um, we should have everybody realize that anything that you take legally and ethically is a trophy. Absolutely. You know, I, I relate to that because I came from Michigan and Michigan, it was uh, so tough. And I used to make the comments uh, to the guy when I first came to Iowa, I just couldn't believe, you know, I would say being a bow hunter in Michigan made me a better bow hunter because you had to dot your I's, cross your T's. But I made the comment that if in Michigan, guys, if you killed a two-year-old buck legally every year as a bow hunter, you were considered to me a good bow hunter. Uh, just because yes, of, uh, of the amount of pressure and everything going on, people would laugh. And of course, it's you know it's all about opportunity and where you live. And when the waterfowl, getting to you about the uh, you know the people and, and you know non-hunters, but I had in one of my second videos we did a thing called, and it's when I was talking about the dog camera. I had a beautiful Chessie, and I got him involved in the videos. But one of the things that uh, we were learning, you know, I spoke in there. So the reason I came up with this this, this system of, of filming with my dog and things is that uh, you know there, if you look in hunting, you know everybody always said the pie's only so big, and I, I'm going to take the biggest slice and my deal was always you know i'm not trying to take the biggest slice i'm trying to make the pie bigger 
that's what we should be doing is making that pie bigger. So when we were doing shows for Cabela's, when I was with Avery doing all the waterfowl shows, when I was with Lynch Mob Calls and all that, we'd, you know, and you'd have this lanyard full of all these bands. But as soon as I started rocking either a duck call or a goose call, the first thing you'd have, you'd have a mother with a stroller and about two or three kids trying to hunt you down. And the husbands might be, uh, you know, uh, uh, shopping there but the the women and kids would just come and the sound so you play to the kids and you'd run the calls and get them all excited but the the mother would look at my you know lanyard she'd say what are those and i explained to them that the u.s fish wildlife you know these are bands that we put on uh birds and when they're molting and and they turn it loose and then when you harvest these you know that uh, it gives a, a you report it and then it gives them what it does a track a way of migrating you know how the birds are migrating and, uh, you know, so here, you know, with 80 some bands on my lanyard, just bless her heart. She looks at me and says, well, you know, she doesn't realize that you probably killed quite a few more than just to get these. <laughs> and, and, uh, you know, but she'll say first, and I'll tell you, Fred, every time in the same answer, they'd say, she'd go, well, what do you do with all of them? And before I would answer, get into the conversation, she'd tell me that her heart, you know, you get to conversation well, your husband's a hunter. And I, the first thing I'd say, well, do you like hunting? I don't know. I get tired of my husband and his buddies. They watch, you know, they do this. And if there's any kind of, like you said, disrespect. So, but what I'd always ask, I said, well, do you approve hunting or disapprove? Because what it does, I had a categories that if you're looking in life and if we want to build this hunting, this community that we call hunting, the brotherhood, whatever you want to call it, 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 you got two groups. You got the anti-hunters. You got people that if I paid for their kids' college tuition, they would never agree with hunting. They hate hunting. They hate, they love, you know, they're the people they think that you're cruel by taking an animal and eating it. And then you have the hunters. So you have the two opposite. And so my goal was, well, you know what? I want to go out after the people who don't have an opinion, whether hunting's good or bad, and then change their mind and, and pull them to the good. And when that's the reason I brought the dog, because there's so many of the waterfowl uh, videos at the time were promoting, you know, five guys shooting one duck and blowing it up and laughing and giggling and giving high five. And even when I guided if we had one goose floating in, I'd look at the guys and say, guys, you know, we're going to one shooter. We're not we're not hunting grizzly bear here. We don't need four guns. You know, this is a goose. And um, so, you know, that's how, how the mindset. But the, that was the, the image that you've got to portray that when I told the lady when she asked, what do you do with these? I said, ma'am, I said, this is protein from the good Lord, from God above. You know, I feed my family on this. And, and of course, every time the answer is, like you said, well, if you eat it, it, it must it's all right. And that right there was yep. the message to portray. Yep. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I, I got to discuss with somebody the other day. I had to explain to them why they had canine teeth. And then my other, uh, I got one on my social media the day. And it was somebody giving me a hard time about hunting. And I said, listen, I said, I'm not going to give you a hard time about paying somebody to kill your animal for you. When you go to McDonald's and eat a hamburger, that's exactly what you've done. And if you think you're, 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 you didn't cause an animal, you're killed so you could eat your McDonald's burger, you're incorrect. You just took the the route of having paying somebody else to kill it for you. Don't look down on me because I prefer to be part of the whole process. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, Tim four. I uh, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, get back on Fred Bear. I have to tell you, Fred Bear was that, that's how I feel. I I can't get enough of every one of his old videos. I have the old VHS videos of his hunts and and his stuff. You know that he did, but he was truly a um, 
uh, you know, what do I say? He, he was an inventor, but he, you know, he was actually the first guy filming hunts and, and, and then doing these bow hunts. And I, it, it was probably the same year um, that I saw you at Compton. I, I can't remember. Maybe it was you, but Glenn St. Charles was there and I had Glenn's uh, book, The Bows of the Little Delta, which is amazing book, amazing written because he would go and, and check out all the hunts uh, before Fred you know, and, and kind of was like Fred's uh, scout on areas that they were going to hunt. And um, the Bows of Little Delta was just a great story of how back in the days, and this before they even had legal archery seasons, and, you know, talking about him and his brother hitchhiking from the state of Washington to Wyoming in the high school so they could work on ranches and get money for school clothes. And, I'm thinking, you know, stuff like that would blow your mind. That It just made tough men. And, um, but I just, I had him, he was 97, I think. And he was in that little wheelchair zooming around, um, Compton or, uh, yeah, I think it was Compton. And, um, I had him got, you know, he did sign, I have a 64 bear grizzly. That was my dad's. And I've got, uh, Fred Aspel. I got Rathar. I got the Wenzels. I've got, uh, and I got Glenn St. Charles all signed it. I'll have to get Fred Eichler someday on it as well. But, uh, <laughs> I got him, he got to sign my book, and then he signed that bow, and I think the following year, he was 97 then, I believe, but the following year, he passed away, and, but, uh, you know, I just had that, Fred Bear, because I love, I design things, I design calls, and I get into always trying to make stuff better, that's how my mind works, and, you know, Fred Bear was a, a not just amazing hunter, he was amazing inventor, an amazing engineer, you know, and, and the things that he designed back in the day. Oh yeah, it way ahead of his time. So, do you have any special keepsakes that uh, that's special to you? Oh, all kinds of stuff. Besides you know, your kids? Stuff. Besides your kids? <laughs> yeah. You know, all kinds of little hunting mementos and 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 things like that. You know, you know things I've been you know given from people and things like that. So yes, sir, I, I I'm definitely you know like I was mentioning earlier, I've got one of my dad's you know, original decoys that he carved and hand painted. And that means a lot to me and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. So I've got a lot of little, you know, hunting trinkets or things that mean something to me. Yes. Sir. Well, I'm kind of figuring out the answer on this next one real quick, because I know you said that you're in an archery shop and I, the question is, how do you met your lovely wife, Michelle, but her dad, by the people know she, he was the owner and designer of uh, Muzzy Broadheads, wasn't he? Yes, sir. He was. And, uh, he, uh, I met him in the archery shop that I was working at and I met her in that archery shop as well. That's what I figured. <laughs> yep. So who asked yep. who out first? Oh, that, that, that story gets right in the weeds real quick. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it, it, we, we both tell it different. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, buddy. Well, you know, Fred, I sure appreciate your time and, and spending on here with us and sharing with the audience there and, and God bless you, man. You're you're a true uh, sportsman. You're a true uh, person to respect in the uh, in the industry, and and uh, you just keep doing what you're doing. And I uh, uh, I appreciate everything you do, brother. Well, George, thank you, sir, and thank you for everything you've done for the sport and for the industry as well. And uh, it was a pleasure. All right, well, folks. I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I have and you learned a lot and, and what a true pioneer that uh, Fred Eichler is and right in the line with of all the other ones before him. And I just want to thank him for his time. But if you like this kind of this podcast, please subscribe 
And always remember, hunt safe, hunt smart, and may the good Lord be your guide. Well, I'll be out there, rain is shining, all a part of the great design. Bring it on, I can never get enough. Because that's what legends are made of.